0: So, we are continuing in our Acts series. We're in Acts chapter 10 today. And we are going to actually read the whole chapter together. So, if you'd like a Bible, you can put your hand in the air and an usher will bring you one. I also wanted to mention that if you are visiting us for the first, second, third, or seventh time, we have these connect cards on the back tables. If you would fill one out, uh, f- for us, there's, there's some boxes to check if you'd like someone to call you from the church. If you'd like to have coffee with the pastor, just write coffee on there. Coffee's free for you. And uh, <laughs> I'd just like to get to know you so uh, as, as a part of our family. So please fill this out and drop it off at the welcome desk on your way out. And we have gifts for our for our new folks who, uh, who are coming in. That would be wonderful. So we are in Acts 10, and this is... Uh, a continuation of God's vision being played out among people. God's vision, if you'll remember, is from Acts 1.8. And we read this earlier. It says, But ye will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this passage is the culmination of God's vision coming forward. This is not a vision that people had. Uh, God had this God had this vision of making it so that all the walls that divide people in society would fall down and people could become connected to God directly through Jesus and be connected to one another, as different as they might be. And this is not a vision that people generally come up with. You know, in the world that we live in, it's pretty much an in-group, out-group kind of experience. Uh, people create these, these situations where... Uh, where people are separated. But God's vision is to bring people together through Jesus Christ. So we saw in in the beginning uh, the Hebrew Jews uh, breaking into fellowship with the Hellenistic Jews, which were the Jews that were like the Romans culturally. And those groups would have been separated and maybe even a little bit um, uneasy with one another. And and God broke down that wall at Pentecost. The Spirit fell on these people and they all worship God together. So that's two subsets of the Jewish people brought together by Jesus. Then we saw the Jews and the Samaritans come together. That's another part of God's vision. It says to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. So in that second part of God's vision, uh, the the Samaritans, which were despised by the Jews and also uh, despised the Jews themselves and had a lot of enmity and problems between them, a lot of tension, the Samaritans were brought in to the family of God. Uh, so it was no longer monocultural. It wasn't just the Jewish people. But God was changing it so that uh, it, the, the people of God was becoming more fully formed. You understand, God's intention from the beginning in choosing the Jewish people as a nation for himself was uh, to show the world the love of God uh, through them, to show, to, for them to be a beacon of light that showed the world what God's love looked like. But things were changing. As, as Bob Dylan said, the prophet, the times they are changing things were changing. And what applied in the Old Testament time period, when it was just a monocultural thing that was meant to show the world uh, the love of God uh, and the salvation of God and the trueness of of Israel's God, God was shifting it. And this was hard for people. Uh, So God brought in the Samaritans. And just like at Pentecost, when the Spirit fell on the Hellenists and and the Hebraic Jews, the Spirit fell on the Samaritans and the Jews. And they said, okay, this is what God's doing now. All right, okay. It's not just a Jewish faith anymore. Now, now it's also the people that are half Jewish are, are a part of this. And so they, the leaders of the Jewish people use their power to, to lay hands, I mean social power, they laid their hands on these Samaritans and said, this is authentic. This is God's work. So now we're at the part to the ends of the earth. This is the catch-all category. Gentiles, people that weren't Jewish at all people that were from different, a, a wildly different cultures. And, uh, and, and God's going to say in today's story, now that category is going to get flattened. And the people of God are going to come into the fullness of what God dreamed for them. Uh, I, I read a really interesting illustration this week. If you think about the, the goal of God's people being Jews, Samaritans, and everyone else, like God's goal, goal being the gospel for all people, it's, think about that as crossing the street, Okay. So if a mother sees their child standing by the road and there's cars whizzing by and yells at them, don't cross the street right now. There's a good reason for it, because if they cross the street, they'll get flattened by a car. But when the traffic dies down and there's a, uh, the, the, car, the traffic is stopped, then the mother can shout out to their child or the father, go ahead and cross the street. It's, it's safe now. It's the right time to cross the street. And this is how it was with Israel and Samarita, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Uh, God was saying what was appropriate at one point is no longer, no, longer, no longer the case. The goal is that the whole world uh, be included into the covenant family. At one time in history, it was the Jews, my chosen people, meant to show forth my praises to the whole world and meant to be kind of insulated and untarnished. Uh, and now it's for everybody. And so now is the time to cross over. And that's what we're going, what we're going to see today. So as we look in, uh, in Acts 10, uh, I want you to realize that this is not... Though this is God's vision, this is not necessarily easy for people. This is years and years, centuries of, of uh, groups being separated and thinking of God one way, and God is, God is now saying, it's, it's going to be for everyone, but there's some things that, that have to get broken down in the meantime. So think about God's vision drawing people uh, to a good end here as we read this together. Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. This is a, a Roman centurion in charge of 100 men, and he's as Gentile as you can get. They were, the, the Romans were the, the occupying force uh, at that time in the world, and they were, uh, they were feared, and they, ru- they ruled totally the Roman peace. They ruled Totally. So this is as non-Jewish, as Gentile as they come. This guy, Cornelius, a centurion in a very important place. Uh, Cornelius and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So this this guy, Cornelius, though he is fully Gentile, though he is Roman, he's opposite of of being Jew pretty much, at least in the eyes of the people at that time. Uh, He is someone who fears God. He's someone who's part of a culture and anything goes kind of culture where there's multiple gods and there's all kinds of, of, um, of barbaric kinds of practices and things going on. And he, he's kind of said, you know what? The Jewish faith is very attractive to me. And though I am a Gentile, I fear the Jewish God. I respect the Jewish God. There's something about this that draws me in. So he was, uh, so he was God-fearing. And not only that, but he gave generously to those in need. And prayed for God regularly. He had a reputation for taking care of people in need. If you are in a position of power, I want to say to you today, if you have employees underneath you, if you are, everyone has power, right? It pleases God so greatly when people exercise their power in a just way. And this guy seems to have done that. Uh, he, He took care of people's needs. He feared God and gave generously. He prayed to God regularly. So one day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. God saw this guy. He saw him. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So that's one one thing that's going on in this passage. Parallel to that, uh, Peter has a vision. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Notice he is also praying like the centurion. Uh, And and while he was praying, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down on earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, you have to understand, part of the Jews being a distinct and separate people in the previous, previous to this story uh, included uh, dietary laws. In Leviticus 11, the Jews were told, you can eat these things, but you can't eat these other things. Kosher, right? And this was meant to separate them out from other people, so they were distinct so if you think about eating, when you eat with people, you really do, and share their food, you really kind of blend with them. And God wanted, uh, God, God wanted the light to be undiluted so that the world could see um, his grace and his love at this time in history. And uh, if you think about like a light fixture in your house, sometimes you'll realize it's not very bright in here. You'll realize there's all these like bugs and moths and stuff stuck to the light bulb up there. You have to go up and clean it out. And, you know, God's intention at this time in history was to have an undiluted light through the Jewish people so the world could see his goodness. And, and God's concern with the dietary laws and all the different uh, ideas about not associating uh, too closely with, with non-Jewish people was so that light could be undiluted so the world could really see the light. So this time, there was a whole list of, uh, of things that were prohibited to eat. And there were also uh, strong uh, sense of not associating too closely with Gentiles. Because when you eat with people, you're saying, these are my people. This is my family. And so uh, so this whole vision that that Peter saw of the sheep coming down and all these unclean animals, uh, it, it repulsed him. He, he's never eaten this stuff. And it's, it's like built into the fabric of his being. Uh, it's something that is so wrong to him. It's something that's so wrong to him. Something that, he, if you can think of something that you, that you feel like is so so wrong to you in your own mind, that's, that knee-jerk reaction is what he felt when he saw these things. So in verse 14, he says, Surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And listen to this. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, the Holy Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. This is an amazing, sovereign move of God. I mean, God is making sure that the details of this go exactly like he wants them to go. He's talking to everybody. He's given a vision. He's talking to Cornelius. He's talking to to, uh, to Peter again. I mean, he is setting this up. It's a huge setup. And verse 23, I don't want you to overlook how crazy this is. Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests because the Lord had told him three times, don't call anything unclean that I have called clean. And Peter understood what that vision meant now. He understood, I can invite these people in because God, the one that I've been worshiping and trusting my whole life, who told me previously not to eat these things and not to associate with these people, is changing the course of history now. And I need to get on board. And he did. And I don't think that was easy. I think that was hard. I think it was uncomfortable. But he was following the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's something you kind of lose if you don't think about what it was like to be in this culture in this time. So the next day, uh, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. I think that's so cool. He's such an enthusiastic guy. God, the God that he's been fearing and looking look, from the outside, looking in and, and, and praying to and giving, giving uh, stuff to the poor on, on God's behalf. This God says to him, I'm going to speak to you. And he says, oh, wow, I'm getting everybody together. Big party. Big party all of his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, "Uh, You guys are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. I think it's just dawning on Peter. I think God's about to do that. I think God's going to do the thing he said he was going to do back in Acts 1-8, to the ends of the earth. This is the moment these people are going to come into the family. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And for this guy, Cornelius, who feared God, who was an outsider, hearing this message, this brand new message, that anyone, Jewish or not, uh, Anyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It was a revolutionary thing for him and his whole household. It was revolutionary for Peter too, by the way. God God, God is just, his work and his plan and his vision is so much deeper and greater than any person's. And just, it's amazing. When people get on board with that, you see great things happen. While Peter was still speaking these words, before the sermon was over, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. That's the third time that this happened. God broke down a wall and sent the Spirit to authenticate it. And the uncircumcised and the circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were shocked. They were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Well, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I just think this story is so incredible. It's almost like Peter can hardly believe it as he's preaching the sermon. And certainly the people he brought with him couldn't believe it. This is a brand new thing that God was doing. God is saying, it's for everyone to the ends of the earth, and and he and he's he starts out his sermon like, you know, it's not lawful for Jews to uh, associate with Gentiles, eat with them, uh, but God told me that I shouldn't call anything unclean that He's called clean, so we're going to go with that. And he starts preaching, and then he and then they respond, and the Spirit falls on them, and it was such an obvious thing that everyone knew this is the real deal, and everyone is shocked. You know, Peter and all the people he brought with them, they're totally shocked. And they say, they've received the Spirit just like us. What's going to stop them from being baptized? And they were all baptized. Um, I think the most important thing and the thing I want to draw out of this story today is number one, don't be prejudiced against people, you know, if you can help it, <laughs> you know. We need to become more aware of our prejudices because uh, sometimes we call, Subtly in our minds and hearts, unclean something that God's called clean, people that God's called called clean, and we need to be very careful. Very careful to to reflect on how we think about other people around us, people of people in different positions in life, people of different backgrounds. Uh, We need to be very careful. Because God has called them clean, we must call them clean. And we must be very careful to guard ourselves because we have such a propensity to hang out with people that look just like us, talk just like us, act just like us. Uh, It's comfortable for us. But God is calling us through the gospel to reach out and to recognize that the family is far more broad than we even think. So that's number one. But number two, and and most importantly, everyone who comes to Jesus has to humble themselves before God in some way. I think the most amazing thing about this story is that though Peter had the message of of salvation for for the centurion, in many ways the centurion was was a righteous man like Peter, you know, in his own way. And though though Peter brought the message, both the centurion and Peter had to be humbled in order for that gospel to go forward. Uh, Peter... and and his companions had to recognize that the Jews are no longer the only people uh, that God is working with in this special way. We need to humble this category, humble this, uh, this group, and say, you know what? It's not all about us anymore. It's for everybody. And he had to humble himself. And the centurion, likewise, he had to come out of his culture, which was worshiping many gods, anything goes kind of culture, and he had to bow the knee to Jesus as well. He had to say, you are the one true God. In you is forgiveness from sins. And in you is, is repentance and turning from sin and living a, a different life, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So both Peter and the centurion had, God humbled both categories completely. And I think when, when there's an authentic work of God, uh, it, we're all recipients of it. You know, when I preach, I feel like, I feel the weight of it on me, because I recognize that it's God that's at work in us. And whether it's through the worship, through the preaching, through a conversation with someone from the church, we are all constantly being discipled, and there's someone with a master plan and vision that's larger than mine, larger than the leadership of the church, that's at work. And all of us need to be humbled together and come to him. So my question this morning is, if you, uh, if you are not uh, connected to Jesus Christ in this meaningful way, what, what category needs to be flattened in your mind? You know, what humility uh, is God, does God need to bring about that you need to kind of surrender and let go of so that you can fully surrender to Jesus? As I invite the worship team forward, we're going to sing this song, Jesus, All for Jesus. And so many things uh, inflate us and, and keep us from that vital, close relationship with Jesus. But God is always at work to take, to take our privileged Feeling of status to take, um, even even like uh, sometimes people have the the sense that I can I can do anything I can I can get to God in many different ways, and we have to humble ourselves and say, well, God says there's only one way to Him. It's through Jesus, and that takes humility. We have to humble ourselves and recognize salvation is found only in Jesus' name. And so, this morning, as we are singing this song, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. How is God uh, trying to reach you? What? In what way do you need to surrender to him and humble yourself so that the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the life of God can come rushing in?